Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're here. Uh, we are excited to interview Dakota Hilton today. And uh, Dakota's a, a, a new acquaintance and my my producer, Matt Cox, told me about Dakota's story, and I was fascinating to hear about a, a young man who's encountered some difficulty and problems along the way, but then uh, has uh, had a great turnaround story and is, is now uh, doing personal training, boxing, a lot of different things. But we're here to hear about this, this uh, kind of inspiring turnaround story. Dakota, thanks for being with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I always like to start by just getting into a little bit of your background story, kind of where you were born, where did you grow up? What was your family like, maybe? And and was were you raised in any kind of a faith tradition, anything like that, or like any kind of spiritual path at all? So, uh, when we grew up, we did go to church, like with our, our grandparents and stuff would go, uh, and, and our mom would, would go and stuff, but it wasn't at first, I mean, it was like an every weekend thing, but that was until, I mean, we're probably like, I was probably like eight or nine and then it kind of slowly, you know, dwindled down a little bit because we moved away from our grandparents and it ended up being like a 30 minute drive there. But as far as like family goes, it was, I had a single mom. Uh, my dad, you know, wasn't around. Uh, then my mom just kind of always, you know, never got with good guys. Uh, so that it wasn't like they were all bad necessarily to us at the beginning but just they were lazy and so uh that's kind of what helped me a lot was i seen her with lazy guys so i always kind of grew up you know not having a, a ton where i remember situations i had to like uh and it's nothing against my mom but i'd like cut grass i'd go and cut grass or uh we would work at the carnival during the summer uh sometimes and like that's what you know how i would buy like nike shoes and stuff when i like if i had you know fancy stuff a lot of times i was paying for it so uh that kind of instilled a lot in me though and we kind of like i said we moved a lot though uh like where were you born so i was born in kansas city and like we okay. grew up kind of actually in like liberty for a couple of years and then we went to like odessa missouri and i started school out there and you know from kindergarten to second grade and then we moved to to leeton and then we're there for like six years. Where's Leiden? That's down by Warrensburg, Missouri. Okay. And uh, that's that's really uh, where I, uh, you know, learned learned a lot because I went. Uh, that, that's where I really got my work ethic uh, because in third grade, I remember I, I'd get a walk. Like it was a small town, like five hundred people. So my mom didn't really care a whole lot if we were walking around. You didn't have to worry about a whole lot. Uh, so I was, I was walking around one day after school and uh, the baseball kids were practicing in high school and the coach happened to be like my PE teacher. And, you know, he sees me like walking around. He's like, why are you walking around like here? You know? And so I'm like, Oh, well, I'm just bored. You know, I live here in town. And so he told me I could like watch them practice or whatever. And it became a thing where he let me start coming to their practice and I was going to be like their bat boy. And, uh, so that became a thing like where I, I really learned to like train hard cause it became where he'd let me warm up with them because I played, was playing, I, you know, was playing baseball and stuff. And so, uh, that's how I ended up actually getting good at, at sports was because I put myself in a position to be, you know, every day, you know, in third grade after school, instead of going home to try to hang out with my friends, I'd be at baseball practice with high schoolers hmm. and, uh, it, eventually sometimes like they would let me hit and stuff. So. I learned a lot doing stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, from there, I was there until eighth grade. And uh, I, I was kind of always more of like a, more of a star, I guess, on, on the teams. is like me and my friend Caleb. 
uh, were normally the two of the main ones. Like when it came to basketball, baseball, we were always, you know, competitive. Uh, and he actually only played baseball one year. And I remember the year he played because I was like one of the main pitchers and he came in and he's like, I'm going to be a pitcher. And like, I remember just like, like, no, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> Don't. And then he ended up being like really good. So it was like this whole battle, you know, and it's with your best friend. So like, that's also what made me good was having him around because, you know, we were kind of really alike and, uh, we're actually, we lost contact for a lot of years, but he's still my best friend now to this day. I still talk to him like, several times a week. And, uh, but it was, it was having that competitiveness, even with him in basketball. Um, I remember so many times where we would be going and, uh, going down to the basketball courts after school or, uh, you know, there's a couple of times we'd go like get dropped off at the community center and we'd be there for like five hours playing basketball. And, uh, you know, so that, and then eventually also with the, the water boy thing, uh, once I got into middle school and we were playing basketball heavy, I was playing on like three teams at one point, uh, never on like traveling teams cause we couldn't afford that, but I'd get like on the rec league teams and we, I was, I was good. So when you play on these rec league teams, like I'm almost like a star because like literally kid, it was weird. Cause some kids would like, I had a kid almost look at me like I was like God, because like some of these kids weren't very good. And like you come in there and like you can actually like shoot and stuff. It was, it was it was cool. It made you feel good. But then when you get put in those situations against those like those traveling you know kids, yeah. now you're that average player. <laughs> and so that's where things because uh, eighth grade year, we had a whole thing happen with our uncle uh, and our mom's ex. My mom's like leaving her ex, and we had did this thing where we'd work at the carnival in the, uh, during the summers. But they were staying down there working, and we were like living at our house because our grandma lived there and our uncle was living there at the time. Well, my uncle like went and picked up my mom's boyfriend from like Mississippi and literally came back and, uh, they, uh, they get back and my mom ends up coming back too. Cause there's like a whole fight going on behind the scenes that I don't even know about, you know, cause I'm in eighth grade and they just, I guess they didn't want to tell us about it. And, uh, so my mom shows up in the middle of the night, like wakes us up. It's like, okay, we got to like leave. And we're like, why? And then it's like, whatever. So we, we just leave. We go stay in a hotel. And the next day we show up at our house. And mind you, this is in the middle of the school year. Eight, eight weeks until I'm out of eighth grade. And uh, we go to a hotel that night. We show up to our house the next day. And our house was padlocked. Because technically my mom's boyfriend had uh, the, the house was in his name. But he never really ever worked. And my mom literally paid for everything. Uh, besides when we worked at the carnival. And even then that wasn't. It's not like they were getting rich doing that. It was more of a waste of, <coughs> of uh, time on that. And uh, it's he kind of just it just from there things kind of just went downhill because we got locked out. So the next so literally from there we're just uh, my mom's like, well, let's just go and basically live on the road. And so we literally packed our whole. My mom had a Tahoe. And we literally packed everything we could because they let us, the cops, we got called the cops, whatever. And they were like, you need to let them in the house, at least get their stuff. And uh, so my mom's like, okay, we're going to get our stuff. And we're literally leaving because uh, also, I guess at this time, she had been talking to a guy <laughs> down at the carnival that had owned some carnival stuff or whatever. And uh, <laughs> that, that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. But, uh, you know, she was trying to do better for her. She, there was also, there was issues with that. So. But that's a, that's a whole other thing, and so we packed literally packed this car car full. It's me, my bro, my two brothers, one of my brother's girlfriends, and then my mom, and so it's five people in like a car that holds eight. And we also had uh, one of our dogs, and we literally packed the car full just of everything that we could fit in there. So uh, there's a lot of our stuff that literally just got left, and uh, what had happened was like our uncle and my mom's boyfriend literally went and ended up selling all that stuff and we went down to mississippi and we're living on the road and uh then uh it uh just kind of just got uh got got really weird because we we're working at a carnival and i was like 14 and uh i ended up that's when i really started smoking weed and stuff too because uh, my brother one night we were he's just like i didn't know he even smoked and I, I found, you know, found out and it became a thing where... Is he older? Yeah, he, he's three You're years older. older than yeah. me. And uh, he, uh, 
he he's like so you guys are kind of a family on the road yeah, yeah. working at carnivals yeah so uh the guy had owned some some carnival games and so that was what we ended up going down there to do uh which we'd already had been doing that during the summer a little bit so, yeah uh which again that's also i mean i could go way more into to that whole story so i'm kind of skimming over it to get to the the main part yeah but uh i mean i learned how to actually hustle and, and make money uh the like the the whole carnival stuff uh there's a lot that it's a lot of it's about money and every a lot of people know that and you've seen scams on tv and stuff so i've seen a lot of of crappy stuff uh done behind the scenes of that as well but that's what learned taught me how to like make money and also uh, i mean there was days when i was 14 i'd make 300 dollars in one day as a kid you know just basically getting out there and hustling uh and that's what helped me like not be afraid to to ask people for stuff sometimes like uh when it comes to trying to talk to people about sponsorships, because I used to be running a game where I would have to yell at random people and uh, I'd have to try to get out and, you know, um, and just be, not be nervous about it. And, uh, but that was, that was, that was fun. Uh, and so we're living on the road though. And it's, it becomes really hectic. Uh, there's, there's a lot of drama behind that. My, my brother, I'm not going to get too much into it, but my brother had actually invested into, my mom's boy that that guy's uh equipment and there ended up being stuff that it it didn't work out and he got screwed and so there ends up being animosity uh with you know my mom my brother and now me because i also had had told him to to go in on this and it it ends up causing a lot of issues where my brother leaves and he comes back home and, and is like living with my grandma and so now i'm down there by myself with uh in this and this is where a lot of uh, I have a lot of insecurities uh, start coming from because my mom's boyfriend. We always I always wanted a dad, and so you know when we meet this guy, you know there's a lot of stuff going on. You find out he tried saying he had cancer and stuff, and but then things would get weird, and he would never actually go to a, appointments and stuff. So like the, you literally there's a whole like mental like uh, uh, an emotional. Um, abuse that like is just going on like this whole thing because he's literally like you literally you start thinking this guy's gonna die and then you're also like starting to you know really like him but then he starts doing all this this crappy stuff and so there's a lot lot going on and then uh one of the the turning points for me was uh we actually went fishing and we went back to the hotel room and like i didn't even do anything i was i think i was saying something about asking him a question about the fish or whatever because we were about to we're living in a hotel room at this point too, uh, and about to flay these catfish in a hotel room. Um, and I, he said something, and he like he started yelling at me, and then he like tried to and he like smacked me. And like I was never like a, a violent kid or whatever. I was raised by a single mom, not to fight and stuff. So I ended up like like smacking me. We get into this whole argument, and like I remember like I grabbed a knife. I was like, I'll like I'll stab you. Like I, because I was just like so over it because. There was also like just so much stuff I saw with, you know, mental abuse going on like towards my mom, you know, with him and stuff, and it finally got to that point where, uh, you know, I was just like I'm I'm done, and uh, like I was calling my brother like, dude, you like, can you please just come back? Like I don't want to I don't want to be out here. So uh, he ends up I ended up convincing my brother to actually come back, and we actually got finally get in the house. So this is only like a six seven month period. So we're living on the road and. In hotels, campers. At one point, uh, when my brother was there the first time, we were living in a van, and I remember one time, like, it got so cold in this van that me and my brother were living in, and we didn't have a heater to plug in. That there was dew coming off of the ceiling, and it was like 30 degrees, and we had to, like walk like a mile to go down to a Dollar General to try to get like covers, and uh, it still didn't work. It was still freezing, um, <laughs> so there was there's a lot of like just bad you know bad bad times that it went on but it it made us stronger and so my brother comes down and that's when I start my freshman year of high school I started actually in uh Genoa Arkansas uh so that was a whole okay weird experience going how so from ninth grade in Arkansas till did you did you go all the way through high school so I, I stayed, actually, I was only there from the start of the year until uh-huh. Thanksgiving. And then that's where 
we finally have this blowout uh, with my mom's boyfriend and my mom and we're like, you mean my brother's like, hey, we're going, we're going back to Missouri. We don't want to be here. Uh, you can come with us. If not, you could stay with him. Or we're gonna go live with grandma because we're, we're we're done with it. And uh, that's something that's really actually hard to talk about. I don't actually a lot of people don't know that whole story. So this is really the first time that any of my friends that here, you know, they might really don't know about a lot of this. And uh, and that's something I've you know I've talked to my mom you know talked to my mom about. Yeah, you so this is a. This was a whole, there was a whole, that was hard to do. And cause my mom, you know, she chose to stay down there and we come back and, uh, the, it caused a lot of problems. So like I started going to Oak Grove high school and, and, and this time too, also from eighth grade until that I had started, uh, when we were with on the road, my mom's boyfriend would, would take us to buffets like every day. So I was eating buffet sometimes twice a day, five, six days a week. It got to a point where if I didn't get a buffet, I was actually mad. Like if you just took me to a church's chicken, I was getting kind of mad. So like I had started gaining a bunch of weight and, you know, wasn't being active and, you know, I was living in a, a bad situation. So when I get up here, you know, I'm 260, 270 pounds. And uh, as a ninth grader. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a ninth yeah, grader. Yeah. So it was. So you're sporting. You, you were so active with sports, but then yeah, and this was, whole, this kind of like a traumatic episode yeah and i was always big but i was athletic yeah so yeah. yeah and that and that was the hard part because when i went you know to arkansas i did play football there and uh i was never you know a violent person though so i wasn't very good but then and that was yeah so of, those, those who aren't watching us and just listening i'm looking at dakota now he's a fit like what are you six one six two. Yep, exactly. Six one two. Yeah, right, right. Probably one ninety. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I nailed it. All right, and uh, look, super fit, right? So you're you're talking about as a ninth grader, you're eating buffets and bumping up to two sixty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two sixty, two seventy, and that's where, and even playing the football, like. I was just kind of going through the motions, you know, uh, because again, I wasn't a star player like I was used to being. And, and that, that led to me, you know, stopping sports in general, even when I came to Oak Grove, because I'm going again, I'm at 270 and I'm going against kids that are dunking. I couldn't even touch rim. I couldn't even touch backboard before, you know, I was just going off if I was able to shoot, I was able to move and I could still keep up with, you know, the better players. Uh, and then it's at that point where it's like, I don't even want to try. Like, there's no point. I'm, I'm not a bench. I, like I always had in my head, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit on the bench. I know like you have, the, everyone has to know their role and it, it takes a team to, to be successful, but I'm not someone that's going to sit on the bench. I'll go find something that I could be the main role guy. And that's mm -hmm. when I started trying to rap and stuff was because okay. I was like, okay, we're not, I, I didn't make the baseball team. And that was the, I remember, uh, I tried out for the baseball team and I would, they had us run laps around this gym and I, I literally was getting lapped like three or four times by some of these kids. And baseball was my best sport. You know what I'm saying? I was able to, in third, fourth grade, I was throwing 65, 70 miles an hour, you know, have curveballs. I had a crazy good curveball. Uh, I literally would have coaches tell me that all the time. I could have played traveling baseball when I was a kid. Uh, we just didn't have the, the money to do it. Uh, so going to into that, you know, freshman year, literally not making the baseball team was uh, it was very upsetting. I remember crying after that, and uh, I actually just ran into that coach a couple weeks ago and and told him about that because you know uh, without that happening, even like today, you know, I, I still use stuff like that, um, not wanting to feel. I don't like feeling like a loser, um, and that that was one that. You know, even thinking about it, I get emotional about it because, you know, I wish I would have played high school baseball and, you know, that's mm -hmm. something you can't go back on. But, All right, uh, right. So you got into rap. Yeah, so I, I get into rap. Uh, what year was this? So I'd actually been getting into to rap when I was li living in, in Leeton in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. and uh, But this is, so what, 20, so it would have been 15, 2016, probably 2015. Okay. Uh, and I started doing battle rap. I was 15, and my first battle rap was at Seventh Heaven, down on Troost. And uh, <laughs> I remember I, 
that, that's the spot. If you're from if you're from Kansas City, you, yeah. you know that. that we that know Seventh Heaven is. It's a uh, accessory store. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, but the, the CDs though. Back in the day, the heydays of like the, yeah. the local rap scene, they literally downstairs. They sold nothing but local rap. See, they have this whole section. Yeah, of local I've, rap. I, I've I've was, been there many, many, many times yeah. through the years. Yeah, yeah. that was that yeah. was the place to go. I remember just as a kid walking in there though and seeing all the local rap CDs because I was just so intrigued by that. Because actually, like we talked about before with Dutch Newman. And that's kind of how I, you know, found out about uh-huh. that. Uh, I was 12 messaging Dutch Newman, like just outlandish, crazy stuff. Um, and he would so actually. By the way, Tanner, we interviewed Tanner Folk just a few, couple of weeks ago, who's a country artist, but he knows Dutch. I interviewed Dutch several months ago, you know, and he has a great story because he's, he's, been in sobriety now for quite a while but he, oh, yeah. he about about killed himself you know i mean you know just with the drugs and crap but but anyway so you met so you started at 12 started emailing or texting or whatever reaching out to dutch yeah i was reaching out to dutch and, the, and uh he actually told me a couple times that was one of the reasons he actually kept rapping though was because there's a lot of times he said he wanted he was gonna quit or whatever but i would actually I'm talking, he would ignore me three or four times, but I would, I'd still send him that hey again. Uh, and uh, eventually he, he would respond back. <laughs> it's not a very healthy thing to do, but you know, I was young and I didn't, I didn't under, really understand all that. And, uh, but so then I, I started doing the battle rap stuff though off of that because I, I find out, you know, like, because uh, he did that Sean Malta song. I couldn't skateboard, but I wanted to be a pro skateboarder. So I was like, I could hang around skateboarders and not have to like actually skateboard. So like, I was like, oh, I'll just do the rap thing. Then people, you know, people know who I am. So I started trying to do that. And the first rap battle we had at seventh heaven, I, I, I choked. I think I got through like half of my first round and it was not good at all. I had, did have one really good line and, uh, it was just a cool, cool experience though. And I was 15, so they didn't expect me to really do anything. And, uh, then we, I, I kind of stuck with that for a little bit until I finally ended up having a, you know, like a good, a good one or two solid uh, performances. And, you know, at the time I didn't really, again, understand it. I was so young. And then I started trying to chase, you know, girls. Uh, and I would, you know, wouldn't prepare for stuff like I needed to because I was always trying to just spend time with my girlfriend and stuff at the time. Uh, but that that was a, a a big part of like me opening up and it was hard because i remember the first rap battle actually my mom was still out of out of town so literally my brother drove me up there and uh i was 15 so he's 17 and he just you know uh, or he's 18 so they he, he drove me up there and i'm having to do this rap battle though just in front of 100 people one and, and seventh heaven to me growing up i was always told truce was the hood so like I'm kind of terrified being there by myself because I'm I'm 15. So because like, like my grandma and stuff always white 15 year old kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're always like you're gonna get yourself shot going down there. And, <laughs> That's what everybody says. Yeah, and then you go down there and you realize it's not really like that. All like I mean, if yeah. you go to certain places, I mean, and you're being dumb, yeah. But uh, I was always had a lot of got a lot of respect just because I was so young going and doing it. And um, so I'm curious, like when you say battle rap, just for folks who don't might maybe not know what that is um can you think of a like a move a popular movie scene that would that would have been a good depiction of battle rap is there any movie that maybe people have seen that uh, has a that has a clip that like would be representative of what you're talking about so the most commonly people really think of like uh eight mile uh but that wasn't actually the type of battle rap i did that was eminem did like freestyle battle rap uh, so there's actually a movie you could look up. It's called Bodied, and Eminem actually produced it. Uh, that's the type of battle rap that I was into. So you did, they didn't have beats playing, and it's all pre-written stuff. And it's more about the bars and like trying to actually. Uh, you have to try trying to find like sometimes double meanings and how you could. I could be trying to say like saying one thing, but I'm also saying another thing at the same time. And mm-hmm. that's that's what started to really intrigue me with the battle rap was because you got to be really smart and. Uh, I, it's, so it's, so eight mile maybe 
touches on it, but isn't what you were doing. Yeah. And he did a different one called Bodied. Yes. B-O-D-I-E-D. Yeah. Bodied. Yep. And that has a, a lot of... Uh, I haven't seen that one. It, it, was not, it wasn't like very popular because, yeah. you know, that type of battle rap isn't... <clears throat> I mean, it, it's, it's blown up. I mean, if you look it up, King of the Dot, K-O-T-D, is the biggest uh, like uh, league in the world right now. And actually, hmm. A. Ward, he's from Kansas City. He's one of the biggest battle rappers right now. Okay. So uh, it's, it's worth checking out. Uh, so you this kind of, you got to know some, give, give us some of the, cause you were just mentioning about the jelly roll thing. <laughs> some yeah. some of the, my fans may be more country fans than rap fans. And if they watched CMT just a few weeks ago, jelly roll like killed it, right? He won all these awards. Um but he has Kansas City connections, and uh, even even was he on Strange? Did he work with Tech Nine at one time? So he he never was with Strange, but I'm pretty sure they did some type of like merch deal or something because they were selling his CD for a while at one point. So I, I think they they did something for a while. Okay, I wouldn't be. I don't know all that, but I, I do know because my, my friend actually booked his shows when he was in Kansas City. Like when he was at uh, the Riot Room when he did those shows, or which who who's your friend? Uh, John Price. Okay. For Priceless Entertainment. Uh, okay. But uh, so how I, how I got actually involved in all that was uh, so I wanted to start making music and uh, I was never really that good. So, um, but I would go to these local. Uh, me and my brother would go to uh, you know shows and tour stops. So like I remember the big one like when uh, Hobson came to town they would go to like wichita they would come to lawrence and they'd go to st louis or however it was and what we would do is we would buy tickets to all three days and we would go to all three of them and then you know we'd start we were into you know local rap or underground rap so it also became a thing where we'd go to some of these shows where they're at little bars mm -hmm. and then so i started i remember going to a show one time i, I finally got put on a show and uh i was i was going to columbia to the it's rose music hall uh it's a little bar out there they also own the blue note but uh we were we were going out there and literally uh this guy he was from out of town he wasn't very big didn't really sell any tickets and i had brought like five people or whatever with me and so like they still let us perform or whatever and it was fun but on the way back i was just thinking i was like okay there were still 10 people there that obviously paid for the tickets and uh he just didn't he didn't bring anybody i was like there has to be a way for me to do that where i could bring somebody that has a name and then me put me as the co-headliner and then even if i'm not very good it doesn't matter because people like my name's right there regardless and so i kind of had that thought in my head and this is me at 16. Mm -hmm. uh, so i ended up uh a guy named cryptic wisdom came to town and uh i his show only had 50 people there and so i literally had like told him i was like I think we could do, we could do more than that. Actually, it's probably only twenty people. I was like, we could do, I could do better than that. And I, I'm, I'm sixteen, and uh, so a couple of months later, I seen there looking for, you know, to go on tour. So I emailed the manager, I got it set up, got it for the right price. I'm sixteen, and I didn't know what, I didn't even know how I was going to do this. So I literally just start calling venues, every place in Kansas City, uh, in Independence, you know, just everywhere. Literally, nobody's nobody's uh like open either won't let me do it or just not gonna work it's too much money uh and then somehow i actually landed a uh it was one of my brother's friends which actually is now in my he's my uh brother or my stepbrother <laughs> but uh he ended up telling me about this bar in warrensburg called the bay and uh so i called them and the the owner was like yeah we'll let you do it so we go down we end up setting up the show and Next thing you know, we had seven like seventy people there, and so this was the biggest show that Cryptic Wisdom had really done in the area at the at the time, and so I just felt so, it felt so cool because of the bar also they weren't used to having I think it was like a Wednesday night or something they weren't used to having seventy people there on a Wednesday night, so they literally told me like you can you can do whatever you want here any day you want <laughs> if you to bring venue, the crowd you just, yeah, yeah you just let us know and we'll give it to you uh -huh. and uh so i started trying to book a bunch of shows from there and that's what led into the uh the thing where i told you know that story about haystack uh that was actually i started doing a thing where i knew promoters in kansas city topeka 
and I was in Warrensburg. So I'm always thinking like, how can I get the best deal? So I would hit, I would hit up these guys and I'd be like, Hey, I want to bring so-and-so let's, uh, if, can you guys do one of us do a Thursday, one of you Friday, Saturday, you guys pay this much. I pay this much. We'll get them for the, uh, you know, a better deal than if I just book them and then you book them separate, we'll just work it in a three show deal. And so that's why I started doing was trying to do like three show, four show deals with other promoters because now we're getting better deals. And now also mine's normally the first show. I would be like, I'll take the Thursday. And the reason I do that is because some of these guys, I would be their driver all weekend. <laughs> so like, uh, there was a couple of guys like twisted insane was a big one, uh, which a lot of people probably don't know who he is, but I was a huge fan of him. I got to drive him around all weekend and, uh, I got to go out to eat with them and just do all this, this, this crazy stuff. So I'm 16, literally like <laughs> hanging out with people that are my idols. And it's uh, that led into the, the jelly roll thing. Uh, Cause the manager of Haystack was actually jelly rolls manager at the time. Uh, and there had been a bunch of bad business stuff going on between them. I, I didn't know about all that. You, you, you don't, you don't know or whatever, but so I never got contracts for the, the Haystack show because I knew people that had worked with them uh, up in Indiana, and that's how I got the contact. And I never had the, an issue with the Haystack show. I was like, okay, let's bring Jelly Roll. And it, it was, so we're bringing them. And uh, literally everything's set up to be be perfect. It'll be a good night. Tickets weren't selling like I was hoping, but I was like, I don't care. Jelly Roll was my favorite person at the time. And this is like right when the song Smoking Section came out. And uh, so my friend actually... Uh, we weren't really friends at the time. This is how I became friends with him. He had him booked at uh, the Riot Room. And I was working at a barbecue place. I, I mentioned earlier, Casey Bay Back Ribs. I would hit up the manager. I was like, hey, uh, I'm coming to the Kansas City show. Where, where's the Riot Room at, Matt? Do you know? It's Riot, Riot Room is uh, what it used to be in Westport. Just like okay, okay. It, it, Remind me, Matt, like King Kie, our friend, mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Remind, I'm blanking on his name. Darrison. Did you ever run across Darrison during this time? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. He. Who did Darrison? Because he was booking acts too about this yeah, time, all, wasn't he? All of his stuff is booked out in Liberty. That's the eight one six room. Oh, eight one six room. Okay. Not I've I've interviewed Darrison on here. He goes by King Kie as his uh, rapper name but he, he knows a lot of these guys i just curious if you guys cross paths yeah but, I, I, we and we might have that's yeah. the thing at that time though too do I you know was, alex sort sortiano alex sartiano he he was an engineer with strange some and does his own rap stuff too called i forgot oh he goes with smart alec is what he goes by anyway that, go ahead keep I, rolling that, that's the thing i, I just care so the riot room jelly rolls coming uh, so yeah, Jelly Rolls there. Uh, he's he's coming, and uh, it, it's uh, I hit up the manager, and I was working at a barbecue place. I was like, hey, I can get some free barbecue. Uh, would you guys, you know, want this or whatever? What do you guys want? And because I, I was trying to build connections with these guys when they came into town, I was really trying to. I was I was that fan girl, and I wanted to try to become friends with these guys. And that was the thing I, I learned very quickly that these guys don't want to be your friend. They're there to make money. And I get it, and I get it now, and I understand that. And that's, uh, but so with Jelly Roll, I, I, they, they're like, yeah, we'll take the barbecue. So I take the barbecue up there, or whatever. And actually, the manager that day told me, he's like, Jelly Roll's so excited for your show because he said that he got picked up in an Uber today, and uh, the guy didn't even know he was going to be in Kansas City tonight, but he knew about your show in Warrensburg. <laughs> so I was like, like, oh, that's so that's so cool. And I'm bringing a barbecue, so I'm feeling so cool and. I ended up meeting Jelly Roll that night, and uh, he's super cool. He's like, oh, I can't wait for your show. Well, a couple weeks go by because my show wasn't like the next night or anything. It was like two weeks later. So uh, in, in this time also, I had set up a deal to get features with Jelly Roll. The deal was like a hook and a verse, and uh, or it was two hooks and a verse, whatever the deal was. And we'd worked it out, but the deal was that I made with the manager. They're going to get there early, and they're going to record it in front of me because I've already had heard so many deals with Jelly Roll and, and Haystack. What all these guys would do, uh, they they'll take that money and they won't give you the contract, and then they they'll, you'll never see that money again, and you can't do nothing about it because you have no proof. 
Uh, it's happened so many times. And so I, that was the deal. They had to record him there. So he shows up to my venue, that to the venue. And uh, for one, the venue had a line outside the door. They are not used to that. So uh, they're like, hey, let's, we're going to open the doors. And they wanted to sound check, but they were supposed to be there at four o'clock to sound check. And the doors opened at, I think, like six. Okay. I think the bar opened the doors at like 530, but the band wasn't there to sound check. So the band shows up at 630 and they're like, we got things going on. There's people in there. And so now they start getting pissed off at me because like, why is people in here? I was like, I didn't have control of that. Like the bars, like we're going to let them in. because they, they're like, we're losing money. Like these people standing, that's what they're the bar is thinking. And so I get why they're pissed off, but they also have to show up on time and do their part. And, but at the same time, there's not a contract now. So what am I going to say? It's like, you know, so they're just pissed off They They get their stuff, you know, set up or whatever. And, uh, then, you know, jelly roll shows up. And, uh, so I walk out to the back cause they tell me he's there or whatever. Or he, he like walks in and like, it screams at me and then like leaves. And then like, I go back there to talk to him basically about the show cause he's pissed off. Uh, so another thing, which again, keep in mind, I'm 17. So. <laughs> I had a couple more acts than were supposed to be on the show. Now, uh, this is a common thing that, especially in this time, a lot of people, what we would do is you would sell slots to try to, that's how you made the money back. And that's how I was able to do it. It's not the best way to do it, but I was able to do stuff, you know, that way. And as, if I go would go back, I wouldn't have done it that way. Uh, but, you know, so I'd sell these slots or whatever, and that's how I, I could afford to do the shows. And uh, so he was there, he was mad about that. I get it or whatever because it technically I think I had like two extra or whatever but I've also talked to my friend that had booked them probably 20 times and he's like yeah they, they say that but they do they don't care they never give me a problem and I was really cool with with that guy so there there should have just there really should have been no issue uh but again it, there was no contract either so <laughs> anyway so then I go out back to talk to Jelly Roll and he just starts screaming at me and again, I'm 17. This is my favorite rapper. So I start like, I start crying. Like I start, like I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't, I don't know. Like there's nothing at that point. There's nothing I can do except for get yelled at. But I'm like literally my favorite musician in the world. And I didn't know how to handle it. And then, so he's like, he starts, he's yelling at me about this and that. And he's like, well, where's my money? Where, give me the money. And then, so I literally had like a, a backpack at the time. And, uh, cause I was, I was selling weed at the time. So it was full of weed and, and money or whatever. And I didn't have all my money on me though. Cause my mom did, my mom had came back at this time and she would like, uh, you know, help me with stuff here and there whenever I asked her. And, uh, so she was holding on to money for me. So I, I said, I got to run back in to grab some more money. And he starts freaking out. He's like, you don't got my money. And I'm like, no, no. I said, I got to go. Like, I got to go inside to the, because I think I said, I got to go to the door and get it, which I was just, I mean, I got to go to my mom. And uh, he starts freaking out on me. So then I'm like, I, I'm going to go get it, you know, like, and then I go get the money and I, I go to, I tell like them what's going on. And so they all come back. A couple of people came back out with me too. And uh so I go to, you know, I'm like, okay, here's the money I got or whatever. He's like, well, where's the, the other 1500 or whatever? And I was like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, the, for the features? I said, I'm not giving you that money until you show up to do the features. Like, the deal was you guys were going to get here early to do the features. And then so he's getting pissed off about these. Like, so you don't got all my money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not, like, I don't have a contract for those features. If you show up early or you're, you're going to be in Springfield tomorrow, like, we can work that out. I'll message the manager and we could set up a studio and, and we'll do that. So he's mad about this feature money. And then, so he's finally like, we come to an agreement. He's just going to do the show. He's basically just saying, uh, he's saying a lot like screw you, you know, <laughs> a, a bunch of stuff. And he's like, but I'm just going to do the show. So I, and also in this process, I didn't know how to handle the situation. So I'm, I'm freaking out in my head. I don't know what to do. And I going in, there's a concrete wall and I literally just punched this wall and so literally my whole knuckles were all like busted open and all bloody and uh it was uh i ended up walking out the front door and then just walking across the street and sitting on these steps and kind of just like crying to myself and uh not the way to handle it it was not the way to handle it so uh but i, I, I gathered myself back like 10 15 minutes i walked back over there and uh get the show running the show starts running and uh 
next thing I know, I think I went out to smoke or something and you see, I see literally see jelly roll pass me in a van with his wife. Um, and that's the thing, his wife, bunny was there too, uh, for those that like her. And she was actually trying to like, tell him like, Hey, like, why don't you just calm down? And she was actually trying to like help me out a little bit, but at the same time, like, you know, it's his wife, so she can't really, you know, I think other people knew he was being a dick. I mean, I think this was about the time too. I think he also had a bad Coke problem. (laughs) So you could tell that they were probably, you know, he was probably having, he was at a rough time and also dealing with the problems with his management. Cause this is like jelly roll when he was making, I think we were paying him like $3,500 for the show. You know, now he's making 150,000, $200,000 per show. So this was like struggling jelly roll. Uh, One of the comments he actually said to me was, I could be at home selling dope, making more money than being on, out here on the road doing these shows. That was the comment he said to me, and yeah, he ended up just 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 leaving. They packed their stuff up and left, and he didn't perform, and he he took the money, and uh, it put me. In, I was seventeen, and I had probably a hundred people there that I had to figure out what. I don't have your money, like he like I was worked at McDonald's, like I literally worked at McDonald's, and that's how I'd pay for deposits for shows. I would do that until I could sell slots and then use the money to pay for the show. But it was a McDonald's paycheck that would, would help get the deposits paid. And uh, the people would take payments on the deposits. So I didn't have money. I didn't know what to do. I literally had no money except for maybe a couple hundred bucks and, and weed in my backpack. And you got people that paid $25 for tickets and, I'm literally like I'm standing here, literally like I don't know, like I don't, I don't yeah. know what to your do. Your act, your yeah. act is off. It's gone, and that's where the you know I did uh, something even more unprofessional. I ended up giving the manager's number out to probably about twenty or thirty people right there, and they all started calling him and blowing his his phone up, and uh, so that wasn't the thing to do. I feel bad about that because the manager actually felt really bad. The manager actually, because I did have to send like I sent him like an eight hundred dollar deposit or something. The manager did actually end up sending me that money back, so he was. Hmm. Uh, but the, again, I also gave him over three, like three thousand dollars, and got like you know eight hundred of it back or whatever. And I still had a lot of cost, you know, for that yeah. day. So take us to to where you you had a turnaround in your life. So at this point, you're still running two hundred and sixty pounds. You're you're rapping but then you're trying to get into the promotion world of rap here locally but somewhere along the lines you you do a change get get us to the change because we're we're, we've got a little bit more time here but i want to hear yeah yeah get us to where you're at now tell us tell us your meltdown and then where how did you how'd you get get out of that whole thing uh, so, so, so going from there, uh, it, it was pretty quick. That actually was the, the big breakdown from, I stopped doing rap stuff after, after that all happened. And, uh, I ended up getting with a, a girl a couple months later, um, or a year later and, and we moved and we were living in the middle of nowhere, Carrollton, Missouri for, I was with her for three years. So I went from doing all this, being in front of people all the time to literally working at a factory and, uh, just literally trying to spend all my time with her. Uh, and when I first got with her, I'd, I'd try to go to like the gym and stuff and I'd try to get her to go and she would never want to go. And so it became a thing where now we're working different schedules. So when I do have time off, I'm trying to spend time with her. I'm not trying to go to the gym. And so I ended up at one point getting up to about 310 pounds. And, uh, so it was, a uh, it was, it was just a whole thing. I How tried, long ago was this? And that was, that was two years two and a half years ago. Wow. So okay. I got to, to, to 310 pounds and it was just because I was constantly just eating. I wouldn't work out. And then when I did try to go work out, it just wasn't fun, but I could still go and play basketball every once in a while. And I was still pretty good, but it's just, you know, there's just not much you could do. You couldn't, you couldn't last long. It just, it wasn't, wasn't a fun place. And then leaning into that, uh, my, uh, my ex ended up, uh, leaving me probably, a year after that and uh when she left me like we had so we were buying a house and we had a truck together and stuff but at the end of the day everything went in my name uh because 
it was just i like i had the credit for some of the stuff at the time and or whatever and we just didn't put our name on it yet because it wasn't paid off and so i had to figure out what to do with all this stuff uh because i couldn't afford it i'm living in the middle of nowhere and i don't want to go work at a factory um because i also had a, a race car at the time and i was trying to do stuff with that uh but uh so i ended up getting rid of the house and kind of just we were doing a rent to own on the house luckily and i just kind of told them like they told me i could try to sell it but i, I was in a, a really bad spot and i was just like hey you guys just take the house i don't i don't care about all the money i put into it and uh it needed a lot of work and there's a lot of issues and so i was like i'm just gonna go live with my brother and so that's what i did and uh i ended up actually selling the truck to my mom and i got me a new car and put myself in even more debt uh um, cause if you don't, if you don't have good credit, it really screws you. So I'm paying like 20% interest on an 05 Mazda. Uh, but, uh, so that, that put me in that position though. And now I also, I have a car, so I'm able to drive around a little more and I'm living in the city. So I started, uh, being a server and, uh, from there, um, that led me into, uh, I always wanted to try stand up comedy. So, uh, I ended up going to an, an open mic at the comedy club of Kansas city to, to try stand up comedy. And I did that. And the first time I did it, it was, it was so fun. Uh, so I was like, I guess it became a thing. I met some people there. We literally started going to open mics four or five nights a week. And, uh, I did that for about three, four months and about two months into it though, I had seen the owner of the comedy club at an open mic and I was serving at the time and they had a thing that said they needed servers. And someone had said to him, like, hey, this kid wants a job serving. You know, you should hire him. So I ended up getting a job at the comedy club. And uh, the reason was actually because the owner knew me because I'd went up the week before I had taken six grams of mushrooms. And I went up and performed. And, like, I was just kind of I – was, I was out of it. And he knew, like, I was extremely messed up. And so he knew me from that. And so that's actually what got me the job was – I went on stage on mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> and so uh that but at that point in my life though i was also i went through that breakup so i started drinking and uh, the, what really led led to that was the first time i went out after my like ex left me i actually went home with probably the hottest girl i'd ever been with uh nothing happened but i was so like when that happens and you're like oh wow i've been with her with her and this girl like let me go go home with her it's like okay but i was in like a really really bad spot but that so that started leading me going to the bars every night too and then with the comedy so i'm trying to always drink and uh it got to a point like i said i was drinking four or five nights a week and then uh that got to a point where i started doing mushrooms all the time and then i eventually at one point uh what, what led to everything was i was down in westport for a friend's birthday and we got extremely drunk and then we were going to leave and my friend bought a gram of Coke uh, from someone and we went back to his house and then we both did, did the Coke and we didn't go to sleep until like four, five, six in the morning and I slept like two hours. We get up, I have to go home because we're going to a Tech Nine concert that night and I'm like, I'm gonna get a nap. Well, this is like at the height kind of, of you still had had COVID tests to go places. So we, I didn't get a, get any sleep at the end of the day and we took some mushrooms and uh, I went to the Tech Nine show and I ended up having a, a bad trip. And uh, I literally had thought I messed my head up for like weeks. Cause after that I said, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done the drinking. I'm done doing this. Uh, Cause for weeks I'd try to go to the gym and I'd be like trying to play basketball, but I'd like literally think I'm having like a, a heart attack. And I remember calling my mom and telling her like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Like I, th I think I think I'm having a heart attack or something. And I did that several times. And when I really knew that things were kind of going south, I remember one time I took mushrooms and I was on the way home and I called my mom just, and I just broke down like crying, like and I, nothing was wrong, but I just called her and I was crying and I just, I hadn't, couldn't say anything. I was just crying. And that's when I knew there was, there was things that there was other issues to, to resolve. And uh, so uh, after that, that night I started trying to go to the gym and then eventually that feeling went away. And I, I was at, I started going to the gym. It was December, like sixth of 2022 or 2021 then 2022 uh the first week of january i started going to the boxing gym and uh it, i'm a very obsessive person so uh once i got in the boxing gym it was over because 
I, I literally the first day. So the first day I go to the gym and I tell them, I literally. Did you? Is this Bricks? Is this yeah, where you went? Okay, yeah, Bricks, and uh, this is at the, the other North location. Kansas City. Yep. Uh, I walked in, and the the first thing I said is, I was like, yeah, you know, if I'd like to try to take a fight just to say that I did because I wanted to prove myself that because after the whole jelly roll thing. I didn't feel like a man, you know what I'm saying? And then stuff growing like with the, you know, my mom's ex, I never felt like a man. So like, I felt like this was a way for me to try to one, lose weight and try to like show that I'm a, I'm a man. And so, uh, that was what started. I started going to the gym and the first day I told him, I want to try to take a fight. And then again, I'm at this point, I'm still 290 pounds. Mm-hmm. When I walked into the gym that day and, uh, you know, he hears that all the time. Everybody says they want, they want to do that or whatever. They're mm-hmm. going to do this and that. Mm-hmm. Well, I also, the other thing I said to him was like, I want to be the best boxer in this gym. And, you know, uh, I just, I started showing up six days a week. There was weeks I was there seven, seven days a week. And also I was going to the gym in the morning for an hour. Then I was at, at the boxing gym in the evening for like an hour. And then it went from being in the gym in the morning for an hour to being in the, e- in the evening. I was at the boxing gym two hours, uh, you know, and, now I went from being a guy that's barely moving to the guy that's able to dictate, I feel like, when you, when you get hit. So uh, it wasn't like a, an easy process. It took a lot of, you know, three to, you know, three to five hour days of working out. So how uh, much weight have you lost? So in, in, this is so, like you're talking in the last year and a half, basically. Yeah. Right? So just in the last year and a half, uh, it, it's it's right at a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you also got to take into consideration. I put on a lot of muscle. I feel like in that time, so I feel like really I've probably even lost more. And I still have a lot of excess skin. I feel on <laughs> me that I feel like does account for more weight. Uh, but uh, yeah. It, so so you kind of, I mean, you kind of hit a bottom of sorts, right? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, it was it was definitely rock bottom. I uh, didn't want to. I mean, your 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 rapping career and trying to trying to get into that whole world kind of has exploded. Your your relationship with your girlfriend's exploded. You're doing. You're still heavy. You're still eating. You're still doing the the drug scene. Oh, and one more thing, I didn't throw in there because I mentioned the race car. I had. Uh, borrowed money to get a race car because uh, i had i had a bunch of stuff that's i'm not gonna get on to that and take the time but borrowed money to get a race car spent nine thousand dollars on the race car this is right at the time two three weeks before my ex leaves me uh i ended up racing it we were doing good five weeks in we ended up totaling the car and i ended up losing like six grand so that's also all happening yeah. uh in that time so now i'm also I you're was in debt in, in debt over a race car <laughs> okay so, so, and, and then you don't go to a 12 step program. You don't end up in AA, you go to a boxing gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and so this boxing gym kind of becomes your salvation of sorts. Is that right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, you, I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking about this because not, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, AA has been one of the most popular things to help people get sober, right? The 12-step program and all that. But there's about 10% of the population who who gets sober, you know, some other means. Of all the people that, that kind of straighten their life out from, let's just say, from excessive drug and alcohol use or whatever, um, some, a lot of people need help. They need something. They can't do it on their own lots of times. Every now and then you get people that just have enough willpower. They just make a decision and bam, they do it on their own. But usually it takes a, it takes a group or something. And so I think a positive, like you, you might call it a positive addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go to a boxing gym, you start training, you discipline yourself, you get in shape. I mean, you're, you're dropping weight, you're gaining muscle, you're, you got this you start getting a sense of accomplishment. Oh yeah. 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 That, that has been the confidence you get out of that. Yeah. That's the, the hardest thing now still is like, I still have this irrational fear that I'm going to be fat again or that I am. I, I still think I'm fat a lot of times. So it's like, uh, that, that's the, the biggest thing to, to really overcome too. Um, because even just talking to, to, to women, like I've noticed a difference because, 
you know, before I was just self-conscious about everything where now it's like, I got some veins popping in my forearms. I think I'm, I'm good. So I could be a little more confident when I'm talking to people. And, and that's one thing that a lot of people have told me that they, they notice a lot. So, yeah. Um, and that's what's going to end up leading me to where I want is the confidence. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you, you've actually done a few, a few fights now. You're doing some training, that kind of thing. Tell us, give us a little insight into that world. Uh, yeah, so I uh, started working at the boxing gym, just had a chance like because uh, I needed a trainer. So I'd fill in for classes, and then I do do the personal training now too. That was kind of just um, – I actually had a pretty famous comedian. He, I, when I was working at the comedy club, he came in and he had said about how he went to a boxing gym. And so I was like, oh, well, I go here. And I was like, you should come check it out. So he ended up coming and checking it out and like letting me train him. And he actually paid me to do it. And this was before like I was like even thought about really doing the personal training. And I was like, this guy technically just paid like $100 to have me train yeah. him for an hour because he paid for an Uber over. He bought me lunch and he gave me like 20 bucks. Huh. So I was like, if he and he like says he thinks it was well worth it, so I was like, if he thinks that that was worth it, and there's no reason like other people won't pay me thirty five dollars right. an hour, so that's what got me doing that because I was trying to go to college and I was like, this isn't for me. I want to, I want to do the boxing thing. So I'm putting everything I got towards that, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. So uh, you do you got if people go to your website, do you have a like a website or a TikTok or like, do you have any social media presence? Do you have like a before and after picture? Do you have any kind of, how can people connect with you uh, if they want to see your story a little bit, see what's going on? Uh, so uh, you could just add me on Facebook, uh, Dakota Hilton. I need to actually make, you know. It's H-Y-L-T-O-N. Yeah, H-Y-L-T-O-N. And uh, it'll be a picture of me with my coach. Um and same with the TikTok, it, it's under Dakota Hilton. Uh, I, I do some stuff on YouTube as well, and that's what I've been talking to Matt about. Because uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to get into trying to do some podcast stuff, or I do uh, want to do more vlog stuff, and that's what I started doing on uh, on YouTube. It's Hilton Athletics, A A H A. I'm trying to start releasing more. Uh, just I just want to be more of a positive influence. Uh, so, because uh, I've gotten that a lot from people that they've started working out or whatever, because they see me see me lose weight. So, uh, that's more of what I'm getting behind. And then also with the the boxing, I've been put in a position where I'm not just running the fitness classes; I'll be running the competitive classes. And you have like these kids legitimately looking at you, uh, I guess, for like guidance. Or they sometimes, you know, I don't know. They, they I remember being a kid. Like I said, when I, uh, I was a, a bat boy for the high school team, I looked at those kids, those kids like they were something else because mm -hmm. like I was watching them do what I wanted to do, and so like I, I can see that like when the kids come up to me and, and ask for help on certain stuff. So mm -hmm. like I, I really enjoy that part of it as well, and that's not something I I really thought. So that's that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. That's cool. Just helping people. Yeah. Well, it's you know it's it's interesting because you know even like if you. Like people who get into the uh, 12-step program, there's, you know, you have to work the program mm -hmm. and you do it with other people. And I think sports for me has been a big a positive thing in my life. So like I, I, I still do cycling. I'm on a cycling team. I've, I've crashed a couple of times here in the last two years and torn myself up really good. So it's, I'm not in the, my best shape right now, but I've got guys that I ride with and we continue to to you know sports the endorphins from sports being fit that that whole world is a big part of my own mental health mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah so and then you're giving back you're helping mentor people and uh you're being a positive role model that's good stuff yeah. so how do they find you we're we're out of time but how do they find you go to uh, Facebook. Yeah, if you just go to Facebook and look up Dakota Hilton, uh, and it's H H Y L T O N. Uh, I should pop right up. I'll be a picture of me with my boxing gear on, and uh, same thing with uh, Instagram and uh, then YouTube. It's just Hilton Athletics A A H A. If you just look up Hilton Athletics, it should come up. Hilton Athletics, and you're 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 working with people and training down at Brixton or Kansas City. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Awesome, and, uh, man. 
if you want personal training, you could just text me. So my number is 509-899-8909. So I, I don't care to put that out there. All right. Good. Good, good. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning into Spirituality Adventures. Thank you, Dakota, for being on here with us and sharing your story. And uh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm excited to see where this takes you. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation. Or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.